It's February 11th, 2008, and this is The Candid Frame. Conversations with, along with him and Dennis Keeley and uh, Tony Zeno over why we photograph. And it's one of the things that I've been focusing on over the past several interviews, and that's that's the whole idea of why we photograph. What's driving us? What what are we responding to every time we pick up the camera? I think it's always a much more interesting conversation to have. Um, to try and try and answer that question, and it's always it's amazing what comes up with when you sit set up two photographers or three photographers together to sort of mull over what it is that sort of drives us and the conversations are always full of surprises and I think that there are a few uh, in the in the 40 minute interview that we conducted with Everard and um, the the conversation sort of started mid well you'll be hearing it midway through uh, a, a conversation that we were having regarding one of his classes in which he's having his students uh, develop a sort of photographic device that is along the lines of a toy camera but that is captures um, captures images digitally, um, so that and so it's uh, kind of midway into that conversation. So just so you have some sort of context, but I think overall you'll get uh, where the whole conversation was sort of steering, uh, sort of steering towards, and I think uh, it's pretty successful. This is actually the second time I interviewed him for the show. Uh, the first time I had some technical problems, but he was really kind enough to allow me to do it uh, uh, again, and I think it turned out better than the first time. So um, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Everard Williams. We've divided the students up into three groups and um, all taking different tacks, different approaches. And one group was there, we developed what they called personas for each one of these groups or, or, or personas for the people that would might use this particular product that they ultimately will develop. Mm -hmm. So they're really right now kind of developing what the, who this persona is. And one of the groups landed on this idea of spirit. And when they land on that idea of spirit, they started talking about Lomos and Dianas and Holgas and all that kind of stuff and just the spirit of the photography. And so they were beginning to show in their presentation to Sandus yesterday, they began to show some of those images. And so I was asking them, so what does it make you respond to these pictures in the way that you do? And they really didn't answer it until someone kind of brought up the word memory and I said I think that's exactly it and you know you may not realize how much history comes is in kind of stacked on top of these images or underneath these images these images line on the top but there's all this history under, underneath that you know so that you look at these images and you go oh this was made with an old camera and then the, the fringing on the edges and the kind of lack of real sharpness and so on and so forth all those can note some kind of earlier I early idea that you know this is just technically not bad but from an era where where the, the capability for making technically good stuff wasn't wasn't there and so you, know, you look at these things and they don't have you know they, they look old the photographs and these photographs in particular don't have any anything referencing 
anything with a particular date. So you don't want to see see a mm-hmm. particular model car or a particular type of cell phone that you can begin to date the era once these things exist and all that stuff. So I said, you, it's really important that you kind of land on that idea and understand that you're beginning to access memory in a different way that still relates back to Sandus because they're a memory manufacturer, right? So, you know, this is really interesting stuff that we're going to talk about. And um, and then, you know, when they're talking about, you know, these kind of cameras that are so easy to operate, they're kind of dumb, you know, not a lot of bud- buttons. You know, Holga has four settings for focus, you know, um, shutter speed, which is determined by sunlight or cloud and that, that, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, taking upon those ideas and, 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 and adding that in, I think become, you might be able to come up with an interesting product. So. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about these, these basically these toy cameras. Mm-hmm. And that kind of jives with what you were telling a student you were just talking to about having a sense of vision beyond the technique. You know, you were talking to him about some of his pictures and the fact that, you know, technically they're very interesting, but they needed a little something of him in there to help differentiate it because otherwise people would just sort of duplicate it. And it's interesting that these toy cameras really kind of speak to that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, you know, in fact, you know, talking about that, that, that student, one of the things that I, or students in general, one of the things I try and mention in class all the time is that one's own personal history is the filter that speaks to what kind of images they're ultimately going to make. And that you really need to be in tune with that. You know, that your image shouldn't be about any particular computer technique that you learned or particular lighting technique that you learned. That it should be infused with who you are and, and, and your own ideas. Because that, anyone can, can copy a, a, a lighting technique. Anyone can copy a Photoshop technique. But they can't, your, your, your unique DNA, so to speak, is something that's unique to you. So that's something that can't be taken away. So you can always apply a technique or, or visual aesthetic on top of that, but it's important to have that as the foundation because that's that's what who, who you are and how people will ultimately identify you. And and in terms of kind of maintaining a longevity of career, it's also gonna keep your career around because you bring in this every time you make a photograph, regardless of styles that come and go over 20, 30 years of a career, um, there's something that's, you know, grounds it in, in some, similarity between images how does that work in your own work wow. can, you, can you put a could, can you put a finger on it what it is about your own history and in and, and life experience? I, I can't I can but I, I'll, I'll say this I can I can make that kind of statement because I fairly early on in my career I was noted for kind of developing a technique and as great as that was from from a financial standpoint and, and all that kind of stuff it as as people didn't want that anymore that meant that my career kind of did this you know evolution thing right so um, those kind of conversations I have with students really are based on my own personal experiences knowing that you know everything's cyclical um, and you'll be in favor and then you'll be out of favor you'll be in favor and then you'll be out of favor um, and so the thing that I think for me that I bring consistently to a to a photo shoot is um, a particular thought process, right? So it, it, so that that goes beyond the style that I might be operating in. Um, that 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 I'm really thinking through the series of problems that will ultimately render a great product for whoever my client is. Um, in terms of my own personal work, 
I had to really sit and think of see to, to see how that applies. I mean, I'm working on on a personal project now, and I'm not sure how that applies yet. Um, my personal project I'm working on right now is a series of blown out tires that I clucked off the side of freeways without trying to get killed and stuff. So, um, and you know, it's just something that I just noticed as I was driving down from San Francisco. <clears throat> um, after a job and I said, yeah, man, there's a lot of tires on the side of the five freeway, a lot of blowouts. And then I started to pay attention to how they're all rubber, but they're all different, right? And you know, a lot of things go into what makes that blowout unique and how the, top, the rubber ends up wrapping around itself in some con contorted Mobius kind of looking thing. But each one is unique and really, really beautiful, stunning. And so I picked one up and put it in the car. Didn't have any idea how I was going to photograph that at all. And it sat in my backyard for, I don't know, four or five years. And my wife is asking me, so when are you going to get rid of those tires? I was about to ask. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, well, I better come up with, you know, something so that I can begin to kind of deplete my, my, my reserves of tires in the backyard. Um, and so I just decided that I was just going to do these really simple still lifes of, of, of these tires. And that's kind of where I'm at now and, and, and trying to just, you know, knock one out of a week or every couple of weeks and, and build up the series. and Just something just for me to do. Do I, ha do I have an ultimate idea of where it's going to be or is this going to be shown or whatever? And I, I really don't, although I've, I've kind of in my mind thought of, well, man, it could be a good little book and, and, and other little things that could be kind of cool. But, you know, we'll see where it happens. I need to get the body of work completed before I begin to, you know, extend out into those areas of, yeah. you know, where it's going to live and what it's going to look like and if, if, if it will be shown or seen publicly or stuff. So, but it's fun to work on. Why are you, why are you a photographer? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, I'm a photographer because I found out early that I didn't want to be the guy behind the desk. The guy behind the desk represented a person that was did the same thing day in and day out, and the thing that photography brought to me was a new challenge every day. Every day, I, you know, I was hired to pick up the camera and, and to go make a picture. Circumstances were different, lighting was different, new person in front of my lens, um, different client that I was beginning to work with, and and more importantly, the ability to kind of use idea and create and, and do something interesting and unique um, so I'm a guy that gets bored with stuff fairly quickly and so when I have new challenges then it can take my full attention and then when I'm done I can release it and then something else can come up I can give it my full attention and then I can you know move away and, and release that so I, I found early on that I work best in that in that kind of mode you know and, and constant new challenges is something that always interests me but one of the things is that I'm always sort of curious about is there are a lot of sort of challenges in being making a career as a photographer. Mm. There are much easier ways to make a living, less aggravation, you know, and somehow a certain level of consistency that you can depend on. So yeah, um, that's that's man, that's absolutely true. The thing, the thing that outweighed that for me was my ability to create. You know, once you get a taste of someone responding to something that you've done that's unique. It's like, oh man, people kind of, kind of dig me doing that stuff, you know, and that gives you permission to continue to do that. And when someone gave me permission to do that, and then I found out that I could make a living doing that, man, let me put the other stuff, you know, on the back burner. No need to try and become an accountant or a lawyer or get an MBA or do any of those things because 
someone likes the way my head works and the, what I see and how I think, and they're willing to pay me money in order to do that. And it's giving me a new challenge every time we, we pick up the camera. Um, and it doesn't seem like work. It's work, but it doesn't seem like work. I mean, I come home exhausted after after shoots, you know. Um, and I think sometimes that's maybe hard for some people to understand how much work may be involved with, with that kind of stuff. But, man, it's it's a complete joy for me. So as spent as I may be, um, it's, it's I don't look at it as work. It's like, man, this is fun. Part of that whole process about making the choices is a willingness to take to take risk, to risk to not go for what's safe and have that desk job and go out there and try to make a career about marketing yourself and selling yeah. yourself and negotiating. But how, when when is a photographer, particularly when you have your own business and you have a family to to support uh, in the midst of it, um, how do you weigh the times when you need to take a risk and other times when you have to play it safe, especially when when it comes to your comes to your work. Um, I graduated from Art Center in 1989, and right at that time, LA Style was like the big magazine, and and so I was influenced by a lot of people that were working in LA Style. And I remember seeing some photographers whose images really kind of struck me as, wow, someone's got paid to do something really interesting looking. It wasn't just a beautifully well-lit portrait is something that was much riskier. And as I began to investigate that person, um, I realized that that person was not just getting work that was style and fashion oriented, that they were getting annual report work, doing the same kind of thing. And and that interested me. So I, I, I recognized that I could, I could potentially do interesting and innovative work for a multitude of people that I didn't have, that I wasn't going to rely on one client. You know, I wasn't going to shoot for Mattel, the Broadway, and rely on that one client for the majority of my income. That for me is uh, was I was going to market myself as a, a smart and creative person, and that people would respond to me because of that and hire me to execute their particular visual problem. And that meant, in order for me to to survive doing that, that I had to so many seeds or at least do research on those people that would respond to my work in that kind of way and so it meant that while I developed a lot of great and close relationships in my career that sometimes those those didn't always mean that I was working for them conti- continually so I was working for a lot of different people and and that that takes a lot of work so it's always kind of researching who that person is that's going to respond to your work as opposed to looking for that one entity that can hire you on a continuous basis uh, I know that your your father was a amateur photographer himself. Yeah, that's really kind of where you picked up your your interest for photography. Um, I don't want to ask you specifically about that, but I want to kind of ask you about that sort of moment of, of of epiphany that happened when you realized that things really were going to happen to you as a photographer. And I was thinking it probably happened to you after after you went to Art Center, but. If not, what what was that that sort of moment where you? Wow. Well, I would say, I would I would say that there's probably two moments. Um, prior to coming to Art Center, I was doing a bachelor's of, of of a BA in business administration at Loma Linda University in, in Riverside, and got into my junior year. And I needed a class. You know, you're looking for classes that are going to give you easy A's. They're going to give full credit and boost the GPA and do all that kind of stuff. And decided to take a photo class and. 
yeah, I've been surrounded by photography, you know, all my life. There have been dark rooms in the house all my life, but I've never taken to photography necessarily. So <clears throat> this gave me an excuse to, to borrow my mom's camera and at least look like it was a photographer and stuff like that. Um, and at that point, it was really important for me to appear to be a photographer. So having the right camera and all that kind of stuff is important. Um, but then I landed in the class and I started making pictures and then I started taking those pictures into the darkroom and developing them in the darkroom and the experience of processing the paper in the tray and next thing I know, I'm taking more photo classes and I'm spending more time in the darkroom and less time on my, on my other studies and it was at that point I was like, well, man, I'm really loving this photography thing. There must be a way to combine photography and business. So my immediate thought was, well, I'll go into advertising. That kind of makes sense. I can kind of deal with my love of creativity and, and, and my business experience and, and, and do that. So my plan then was to come to Art Center and get in, in photography and switch over into the advertising design program. And I got in photography and loved photography and decided to stay in photography. And it probably wasn't until I, I just before I graduated, like my sixth or seventh term, where I kind of realized that some of the images that I was making, um, people liked. And at that time, I was beginning to show my, my portfolio, and I was getting some jobs outside of school, some editorial work. And so I was like, oh man, people actually dig my my style it's unique and it's interesting and people like it um, and it was probably at that point that I realized that oh, you know what I'm actually going to be able to make a career out of this it's it's it's, it's had it, you know surges and, and, and recessions and all that kind of stuff but I at that point I kind of knew that oh, you know I can I can do this and more importantly that I like what I'm doing enough that I'm going to be you know, apply enough determination to make make it happen mm -hmm. You teach a lot of students here, but you also know a lot of photographers in the industry over your, all the years that you've been in. Mm -hmm. But is there any one thing or any two things that you think really speak to uh, a photographer's, photographer's ability to have um, a successful career? By successful, I mean the potential to be able to do what they love for five, 10, sort of 20 years. Is oh man, in? that's easy. Um, it's passion. You know, those, those, those students that I see coming through Art Center that are passionate about photography are constantly making pictures above and beyond the assignments that they're asked to do. The more time that you spend behind the camera, the more time you put the camera to your eye and you make those deliberate choices as to what the framing is going to be, what the point of view is going to be, the more important or the more, what I want to say, not more important. Probably, but but it, it has a large. It, it goes in, in. I'm stuttering here. It points to your success because you're constantly you know, experimenting, constantly making pictures, and and every time you every time you do that, you're refining something, um, and that then goes into your memory bank. So, at some point, you'll end up calling calling it out. And go, well, man, I was doing something similar. This and that looked really cool. So let me kind of start here and make an image, and then see what expands expands from there. Um, those students that come through that do images just because this a teacher assigned them and don't do anything above and beyond that 
are ones that will probably find it more difficult because they haven't built built up um, the habit. You know, in, in sport, you know, uh, when people are training for any particular event, be it gymnastics or tennis or track and field or whatever, you hear coaches often talk about muscle memory. And that's the same thing you can apply to, to photography. So uh, as you build up that muscle memory for, for, for making a photograph, um, which is developed and based on your passion for making pictures and being constantly amazed at what happens and, and being surprised at what happens and, and all that kind of stuff, the more likely you are to, to be a successful photographer, I think. And I like that whole idea of uh, being open to surprise. I mean, a lot of photography has to do with maybe concept and technical mm-hmm. expertise, but there's, a, there's something to be said for that moment of surprise, something you really could never really consider that you kind of discover in, in, in the moment. And how do you, how do you develop that? Because you can have a passion for photography. You can have a sort of a technical you know, sensibility that allows you to control the camera and, and the digital darkroom in a way that yeah. other people can't. Yeah. But well, speak about that whole idea of being, being, how do you prepare yourself to be open for those moments of surprise that you can never really an, anticipate, but that end up oftentimes being the crux of, of the success of a photograph? If you're a person that, that focuses on just the mechanics and you never are in a place to be able to let the mechanics go, I think it sometimes it becomes difficult to become surprised. Because I think so much of, of really great photography is based on intuition, things that happen in a split second. And, and, it, and, it, and it's so fast that you, your brain doesn't completely process it. You know, you see it and you click the camera because you know that it's there. But, th- but then when you look at the image, you go, I knew it was there and this is a great picture, but I really didn't know at the, the depth of what was there. Right. This is here. This is here. You know, the intersection of this person, the gaze of this person, the gesture of this person, all manifests manifested itself at one particular instant, knowing that any other instant before or after that instant was going to be drastically different and probably not going to work. That if you're thinking about the mechanics of the camera, what depth of field you're using, and and what shutter speed I'm using, and and all those kind of things that go into properly using a, a camera you're going to miss out on those opportunities. So one of the things that we try and teach here at school is is knowing your equipment and your technique so well that you can shut it off and then concentrate just on being in the moment and seeing things creatively because then you don't you know you know all that other stuff is taken care of and now you have your full t- attention 100% on what's happening between you and the, and and, the, and and, and the subject, be it a landscape, an automobile, or an actual person. So regardless of what the person is or, or the thing is in front of your camera, the photographer needs to connect with it in some kind of way. Yeah. And I think that whole idea um, that, that that sort of forgetting the camera about making an extension of yourself is really sort of, sort of what, the, what, what you're speaking to. Oh, man, absolutely. And... Um, but but that but there's also another part of that which is while having a good technical control of your camera and knowing everything that it does is is important um, creating the situation where the unexpected can happen is also part of that particularly when if you know because sometimes the concept you can you can plan everything out from the choice of the model to the setting to the lighting to so everything it can seem to be absolutely 
Yeah, perfect. Well, so so this this is the there's being a control freak, <clears throat> and then there's where you set everything up and you only get what you saw in your head, and then there's being the ability to set everything up and then letting things evolve. So when you're photographing a person, you've got a live object. They may have an idea of what you want, but then they've got to interpret that and filter it. And so what they bring to that, it may be right on the mark, it might be slightly askew. And then if it's slightly askew, what do you go with? Do you begin to kind of take them down that road and see what, what's revealed there? Or do you try and bring them back? And as you bring them back, then what is revealed? So there's a dynamic, there's a give and take between you and, and, and your model. I mean, and I mean, it implies the still life as well. I mean, you, you set something up and you sit back and you look at it, the camera, you are, you are then analyzing how it's working in space. Mm -hmm. It may be working in space, right? It may not be working. So you're constantly kind of making this adjustment to get things just so. And if let's take a purse, for instance, and you get it just so, the light's just right, and then the handle flops, right? And then a whole new thing is revealed to you because now it doesn't look like it's like it's posed. It looks like a natural purse that's just mm -hmm. kind of sitting there, right? And and then and then that reveals a whole new way of making the picture of, of this purse. And then you begin to go down this whole whole path that reveals itself in a bunch of different photographs that you might all, uh, might not have made otherwise. So um, being open to letting things happen is really really important. Douglas Kirkland, who was speaking here last week, was mm -hmm. speaking very much to that. Um, what did you get from him speaking that sort of either speaks to what we're talking about or or something that you weren't expecting that, that you took away from the... Uh, well, this is my second time, you know, meeting and speaking with Douglas and, and then and seeing him do, do a lecture. And, and every single time I come back to... Here's a, a gentleman that's in his 70s that loves photography as much as when he first picked up his camera. That's, you know, 60 years. That's a long time, mm -hmm. you know? And there's there aren't that many people that can say they're committed to something that long, you know, at that same level of intensity. And so when he's standing in front of a group of young, young people talking about photography, and he's jumping up and down and because of sheer excitement about about photography and the people that he's met and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you get a sense that he loved photography much more than the, than the celebrities he's photographed. Because half the celebrities, he couldn't remember their, their names. But he was, he was able to tell you, well, I shot this with this lens and this, and, and the specifics of making the photograph, he, it was right at the, right at the, the front of his, his mind. So he really enjoyed the process, and he was genuinely excited about it. You know, it happened that he was able to get involved with the movie industry and, and, and have opportunities to photograph many celebrities and stuff like that, and continues to do so today. But man, he loves photography like, like nobody's business, yeah. and it, that's inspiring. That I take that and go, okay, cool. I I can expect to you know live my life and still be as excited about photography as I was when I first started getting involved in it. And that's that's encouraging. That's that's a career. That's that's a lifelong experience that not many people have. Yeah. Let's talk about um, weakness. 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 Yeah. One of the things that I found, uh, particularly teaching here and with other students, is that oftentimes they focus on the things they don't know. They focus on their their weaknesses rather than their strengths, and 
particularly when some of the students are about to graduate soon, they, they, when I talk to them, they're, they're quicker to point out the things that they don't know, the things that they feel they need to learn before they can you know, be prepared to go out there and work professionally or, or they don't know this, this about lighting or they don't know this about working on models. And I think often, for me, I'm always asking, well, what are your strengths? You know, so there's a lot of stuff that's, that's your weaknesses or your failings, maybe things that you're fixating on, but that also means that because you're fixating on them, you're not acknowledging your own, your own strengths. So how, how does that play a role, not so much with the students you teach, but you and you and you, your work, and how has that changed from when you first started to now? Oh, you're just an evil man. Because <laughs> um, you're supposed to ask me questions I have great answers for, and that, I don't know that I have a great answer for that one. Um, and it makes me have to go back and think about, you know, okay, what are my weaknesses? And, and what are my strengths? Um, I don't know that I have, the, I don't know I have, an, I need to think about that one to really kind of come up with, with an answer. And I don't have that one on the... What do you tell your students well, when you see that? When you... I mean, school's an interesting thing. I, I think that... Um, the nature of school, you know, you come in, you start as a, you know, as a first-term student, and you graduate in eighth term. Um, there's this linear time frame that you go through, passage, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that many students assume that when I get to eighth term, I'll know all, everything that I need to know. That I'll be able to walk out here, and man, I'll be able to knock the world on its ass, and make a lot of money, and enjoy making these pictures, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, that's only two or eight months if you go straight through the art program. Um, and I think once once you get there to that eighth term, you really realize, while I have learned a lot, I know nothing. There's so much more to still kind of navigate through. And and so I think because of that, you know, people kind of graduate kind of uh, really on edge. Well, do I have the skill set that's going to allow me to succeed? Because now I see what's out there. I'm, I'm, I'm standing on uh, at the edge and I can see the valley in front of me and I, man, there's a lot more information out there. So um, the important thing is that not to look at the quantity of information or anything like that, but know that you've got a skill set that will allow you to navigate that. Um, and that skill set is not just related to photography. It's a skill set that is designed for a person to to problem solve, whatever that problem may be. So, some people think that I'm going to a photo school, I'm gonna to learn to be a photographer. Yes, you're going to a photo school, you're learning to be a photographer, at the same time you're developing life skills that are life skills that are beyond photography. Because, you know, um, you're gonna run into problems and you're gonna to need to be able to take a, take a moment, be calm, set up what, what the obstacles are, get an understanding of them and navigate your way Pass, pass those because there's got to be a way, uh, over, around, or, 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 or some way to get get past them, you know. And sometimes that even means that I need to invite in reinforcements. I need help to in order to navigate that. But being in a place where you can actually recognize that oh, I can't do this alone, I need some help. And then who? Then the question is, who do I call to kind of help me yeah. through that situation? Be it a creative situation or relationship situation or a financial situation or whatever. Um, so, 
yeah, we're photo school. We're a great, great design institution, but we help a person develop life skills through the creative process. What have you learned about photography as a result of teaching it to students? That something that you don't think you would have learned if you not it never you know taught anyone and was just out there shooting and making a career of it. How much I really like it. How much I really love photography. And that there are so many different aspects to photography that um, you 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 may have a career as a commercial commercial photographer. I never thought that I'd be a instructor. I thought you know I had friends that were teaching and I would come teach a class. Next thing you know, I'm getting offered a class, and then next thing you know, I'm associate chair and and, and doing things in the department as full time. All of that stuff is still related to photography, and I still love it. It's a new, different challenge to photography. I still make my own images on the side and all that kind of stuff, and I still work with clients. But that photography is much bigger than I ever would have thought it to be. Um, and so on the constant quest to kind of expand photography in my life and its relevance to people outside, um, you know, coming up with ideas to kind of push that forward is, is, is something that I work on constantly, you know, so um, I, I know you interviewed Tony, Tony and I are, are partners in a particular project, we're working on a, a television show and, and, and that's derivative of me kind of expanding out and beginning to push out what what applications I can attach photography to and, and move that forward and all that kind of stuff and that's that's fun because yeah. now now I'm still taking I'm taking all the stuff that I know and know really well and putting it into a place that I know nothing about and as scary as that is it's really exciting and challenging so it's like oh man how do I navigate this I don't know anybody here how do I make myself known yeah how, how good is my idea you know and then begin to kind of put that into the big mix and, 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 and see what we can push out the other side. Do you want to speak about the, the show at all? Or is well, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not comfortable because I'm really excited about the, sh the, the, the show. Um, um, right now we're in talks with um, a few corporations about the, their participation in the show and, and that will help move it forward to the point where we can actually you know, get it to a network and, and, and get it get it on the air. But it's a, in a sense, it's a show that is about exposing a, a young photographer, an emerging photographer, or someone who hasn't really made it, you know, kick their, their career into high gear, giving them some exposure that will allow their career to then, then flourish. So, you know, it's, it's a reality show based, based around photography. Um, and um, our, our, our the people that we're talking to about associating with the show um, are really great and, and they really like the idea and I think that because of those associations we're able to get you know really great not only great caliber students that, that we or or, 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 or or participants or contestants but great clients that will act as uh, that the people, the contestants will be doing assignments for on the, on the show. So, yeah, it's it's in the mix, and it's a, it's 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 coming, and the train's moving quick, and I'm holding on with with, with both hands and my feet and everything because it's it's a new area for, for me. So, and 
as momentum builds, it means I have to, you know, get my grip a little tighter. Yeah. That's good. It's really great. What do you wish you knew then that you know now as far as beginning the career, regardless of whether someone starts going has come from Art Center, whether they've learned on their own. Mm. But when you look when you look at your career and you start and you start seeing these people constantly going out there and having a whole new career. What what's, what are some of the things you wish you had known back in the day that, that you know now? I, I graduated in a circumstance that was different than most people graduate. And that was, or, yeah, and that was, um, I got married between sixth and seventh term. So there was an urgency for me to launch a career while I was still in school so that I would have an easier transition so I wasn't like oh my god what am I going to do now when I have a graduation um, that being said I don't know that anyone's ever really prepared for the ebbs and flows of career you know so you'll be busy and it'll be slow you'll be busy and then you'll be slow and, and, and learning to kind of navigate that and, and what do you feel in those slow gaps that is productive towards your career and stuff like that? Um, knowing, 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 having lived through that, um, it's certainly something that I try and tell students before they're graduating. I'm, I'm currently teaching a, an eighth term final crit class and we have those discussions all the time about what your career can look like and, and what your expectations should be um, I think in a very naive way you often graduate and think that man well I'm just going to start taking the world by storm and maybe that's not what you really want or maybe, that, maybe that's not what should, really should happen for you in your career maybe it should be this constant building up that's, it's building a good foundation and you make the next level and the next level instead of just being you know, the real quick shot out of, out of, out of, out of the bag um so trying to get the students to understand that, man, taking it slow, and I know that you have loans to pay back, but taking it slow and trying to find out all that other information that's, that's out there. Um, my, my advice for, for students now is assist a variety of photographers when you get out of school if you, if you have the opportunity to. Each person attacks, will attack the same problem in a different way. And, it's, and the, more, the more tools you have in your toolbox, the more ways you see to attack a particular problem, the more uh, adept you'll be able to be in terms of navigating particular problems. You can bring a lot of different things to, to, to solving that problem. Um, I got out of school and I, I, started, was, I was doing a combination of working and assisting, and I really assisted only one guy for about a year and a half after, after school before I started getting enough work that I didn't need to really assist anymore. And, and I look back now and go, man, I wish I had assisted that person, that person, that person, that person, that person, just to see what they, they do, you know? Um, how do how, what's their interaction with the client? You know, what is their interaction with the model? How do they direct the model to get what they get out? And while I learned a ton, I mean a ton, and a lot of things that I never could have learned in school, you realize, man, there's a lot more to know. So inviting them to to get out there and work with as many different people as possible, mm. kind of get into the assisting loop. And if Dan Winters gives you an opportunity to assist, work with them. But if someone else 
says, hey, I need an assistant this day, and you have the opportunity to free day to do it, man, work with them too, because they approach the problems a completely different way, not only in terms of how they light or set up the shot or anything like that, but how they interact with you, the assistant, you know, and all this is great information. So you'll find people that I will never do what they did, and you'll find people that you go, I love everything they do, I want to bring that in, into what I do and expand upon it and stuff like that. So it's about, you know, Pulling, pulling with the information. So my last question. Uh -oh. There's one photographer that you would recommend listeners go check out. Either Living or Dead. Who would that be and why? Only one. Man. <laughs> and, and my silence is only because there's so many people that I, that I, that I look at. And so... Um, it's one of those things where do I want to be find someone that's really obscure or you know or whatever. Anyway, um, Dan Winters. Um, I love Dan Winters' work. I love the way he thinks through a problem. I love not only his style and aesthetic, but bigger than all that, he's one of the most consistent photographers I've ever seen. So. Almost every image that I see that's that's published, it's it's kicking. Mm. It's really, really, really well crafted. Really great image. You can see that there's some kind of communication happening between him and the subject. You know that he, there's a level of concentration happening on make, making that picture in that instant, and they're and they're beautiful. And there's a signature to them that you know. Oh, Dan shot that, and that's cool. Um, so yeah, I was I would certainly say Dan. Man, there's a whole bunch of people. I know. It's like always Knight and Abaddon, of course. And I'm a Penn fan through and through. Um, so there's there's a lot of people that I really dig. Oh, but that's a good recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan's the man. All right. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. It's a pleasure. Thanks again for listening and supporting the show. If you have any comments or suggestions, please email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Till next time, this is Varian X. Perella, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.